0: Episode 99 of No Guitar Is Safe features the great guitarist and singer Samantha Fish. And it's brought to you by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. It's also brought to you by Samantha's new record, Kill or Be Kind, which is available on Rounder Records. is up people it's episode 99 of no guitar is safe I'm Jude Gold thanks for listening today we're going to meet a fantastic guitarist singer performer composer and prankster that's right we're going to learn a really cool prank today the coolest banana prank since Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy
1: yeah we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe you're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe I can change, I can change,
0: I can and tell me how well, we're gonna top that. Samantha Fish is gonna top that. Samantha is on the show and you're hearing tracks from her new album, Kill or Be Kind. I love that name. On Rounder Records. I'm excited for Samantha because right this moment, and I would be there if I wasn't leaving to Atlantic City tomorrow at 7 a.m. from the West Coast, I would be there at the Troubadour. She's playing the world-famous Troubadour on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood, and I'm so happy for her. She's doing a double bill with Mark Broussard, she's probably just in the peak of her set at this moment as I edit this on a Thursday night. And you know what? What a historic place that is. And of course, I always knew that. You probably did too. But have you ever actually looked at the history? Just head over to troubadour.com slash history. And man. It opened in 1957. Lenny Bruce, the edgy comedian, is arrested on obscenity charges that year at the Troubadour. 1964. Bob Dylan comes on stage and makes pop music history, switching from folk to folk rock. That's probably right around when he went electric. 65, The Birds, incredible band, meet at a Monday night open mic jam at the Troubadour. So much crazy stuff on this list. Comedian Richard Pryor, 1968, records his live debut album. 69, Poco, not quite sure what that band is, late from a Denver gig, arrived to find unknown comic Steve Martin doing their songs on banjo to a rapturous crowd. Huh, yeah, wish I was there. In 1970, the Eagles' Don Henley and Glenn Frey, I've heard of them, meet in the front bar at the Troubadour. September 1970, Led Zeppelin show up for a three-hour jam session after playing the Forum across town. And there's some tragic stuff too. October 3rd, 1970, Janis Joplin parties at the Troubadour, and the next day is found dead at the Landmark Hotel. Heroin. Really glad Samantha is rocking, and she really has a command of the stage, which I just love about her, and a command of the guitar. We're gonna head over to her hotel, actually to her manager's hotel room, Reuben Williams from New Orleans. And we're gonna set up some mics and jam with Samantha Ruben is there for like the first part of the interview, maybe the first 15 minutes or so. So you might hear you might hear him chiming in a little bit. I'm playing acoustic guitar. Samantha's got this brand new Gibson Firebird.
1: Say I'm your dream girl. Drift away with me. Also,
0: I wanted to mention there's one point early on when we're talking about multiple guitar cases. It's funny. I think we're both talking about different things, but I'm not sure. I I think Samantha's talking about full-on guitar vaults, which you know can be as big as a refrigerator or two. (laughs) I'm talking about a double case from a company, and I couldn't remember the name in the interview, but now I got it for you, called Enki, E-N-K-I. Josh Smith turned me on to those a while back, the great guitar player. EnkiUSA.com. If you want to check them out, you can throw two guitars into this case Roll it up to the gig, open it up, and they're standing up like a like a mini vault. Kinda cool. And the cases are apparently flight ready and super tough. I know Josh takes his to Europe and stuff, so I'm kinda into checking one of those out myself. That's what I was trying to remember. in key.
1: This feels like flying. A little higher I should.
0: We're gonna head over to this influencer hotel in Beverly Hills jam with Samantha capturing it all in the Zoom recorder thanks Zoom thank you guys for listening we're approaching next episode triple digits episode 100 coming up excited about that very proud that so many of you have listened to all 98 of previous episodes over the past three or four years what's it been I guess it's been four years wow you guys rock and so does Samantha Fish Keep it alive to you. 95. Let's do this. The time is safe. Check one, two. Awesome. Mm-hmm. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: What? Are, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I live not too far from here. I've been to all the hotels, but th- what? This is not a blues hotel. Not that you need to stay in a blues hotel, but there's a Ferrari dealership next door. I think I saw some huh? Instagram influencers downstairs really? in the lobby. <laughs> You're kind of a, like an influencer hotel. Oh,
2: I I know it feels like that. I walked in and it was like, um, well, you know, yeah. my um my manager came for the week too. Yeah, and I so hear him he, talking
0: to himself <laughs> in the other.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, we're playing at the Troubadour, and so you know how L.A. is. It's like really hard to get around. I mean, we usually would be like on the outskirts of the city to make it easier on ourselves, but it's like the outskirts of the city here, about an hour and a half away. So. We're, yeah. we're actually enjoying ourselves this weekend and staying close to the gig.
0: Beverly, you've never Hills, gotten baby. to do.
2: I know, right?
0: Very posh. Are you going to pick up a Ferrari next door? Yeah, or, of Like course. literally right next door? Yeah,
2: because cause I'm making them blues <laughs> bucks now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just joking.
0: You did pick up a nice machine today. I heard a little rumor through the grapevine, okay, through your manager, Ruben, that you were chilling with my friend Peter Leinheiser today from yes. Gibson. Yes,
2: yes. Um, I got to go and do a, a really cool video up in the. I guess it's laurel canyon um in a cabin and and that's going to come out soon but i have a beautiful new gibson firebird that i am so ecstatic about i can't wait to play it live in the show
0: that's awesome yeah little mini humbuckers
2: yeah yeah i've been wanting one for a long time they just they're they're mean rock and roll machines
0: i love them i used to skateboard when i was a kid and i don't know if there's any skaters listening but I always love how it's raised in the middle, just like yep. a like a Powell Beamer board. Yes. Does anybody remember the Powell Beamer? Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to play a note or two? We're going into this little boss amp over here.
2: Sure. I got, got an what? acoustic
0: guitar just in case I need it.
2: What you um? What do you what do you
1: requesting?
2: Yeah.
0: Anything you want, just to even demonstrate the guitar oh, for okay, a second. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Those are such cool guitars that, you know, they're f- going to be fun to carry on an airplane or something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try and figure out how to get this on. I'm going to have to buy like a long case. This one's going to have to go in with them. Um, I have a baritone now too that I've been playing oh, and yeah. it's it's like impossible to fly with. Um, so yeah, yeah, I can I can get a double case. Hello, Mono case, where are you at?
0: <laughs> yeah, Mono, what's what's that other case?
2: Um, oh man, I use, I use them all the time. Reunion Blues. They're great.
0: There's these cases where you can put two guitars in them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? You put two guitars in a basically as big as an SKB flight case. And then you just open them and it's already like a guitar s- boat they, yeah. on your gig.
2: The vault. They call that the vault.
0: Yeah. That's one company. This dude, anyway, I love it.
2: Yeah. It's it's a, a road case company. I actually have a, yeah. I have a boat made by them and it's awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know about the vault just yet. <laughs> I'm sure that, that's a that's quite a... Checked baggage fee right there.
0: Yeah, well, you know, they sometimes just do they, it right. They let you slide. <laughs> but um that guitar is so new that you're holding this firebirds. Beautiful burgundy finish, classic. Yeah. You can sometimes almost I swear you can see like sawdust in the rosewood when it's this new, like the actual fretboard. Yeah, like yeah.
1: It looks like a little it, huh?
0: white haze in it a little bit. That yep. you know. As Neil Sean would say, you need to add some sandwich grease to mm-hmm. it. <laughs> So you're playing the Troub tonight.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'm really excited. It's our first time playing there and Troubadour. we're doing two nights.
0: Yeah. Thursday, Friday here in LA. Yeah. The coolest club in all of Southern yeah, California. So I much know. history there.
2: It's kind of freaking and, me uh, out.
0: How, so did you sound check today already or? No,
2: no. They're they're actually sound checking right now.
0: Oh, okay. And I wow. will be there later. Well, yeah. thanks for uh, squeezing this, this in. So you're playing with Mark Broussard too? Or?
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Mark is, Mark. we've been on this uh, tour together for about, a week and a half two weeks uh, all over the west coast yeah it's been fun
0: yeah now so you're from kansas city originally yep yeah where do you live nowadays
2: i live in louisiana new orleans
0: how long you been down there
2: about two and a half years
0: yeah so i love kansas city too because i used to play. i played a lot at knuckleheads or i should say twice yeah i know you you played there a lot
2: yeah yeah we i've i started cutting my teeth there at knuckleheads um I think when i was like 17 years old that's that's where i started out and i still play there (laughs) so so we have a good relationship
0: it's a great vibe there too like you got the freight trains literally rolling right by the side of the building and it's kind of there's a couple of different buildings and
2: it's really it's a unique place there's nowhere like knuckleheads i mean it's it's very much got its own personality and characteristics so i like going back there
0: Yeah, so what was the first time you played there like, how old were you?
2: Oh, maybe 17 or so. I mean, I I remember my first show. Oh, this is a terrible story. (laughs) No story is a terrible story. I feel like I have to tell it, though. Okay. Yes, we want to hear it. I was really young. I was a teenager, and I really wanted to play knuckleheads. And um, I didn't have a band together just yet. This was before I had the band.
0: Uh, you started out on drums, but you'd already switched to guitar.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was well into like you know getting ready to start putting my band together and everything. Frank called me. This is a terrible story. Um, Hannah Montana came to Kansas City to play, and the the people who buy up all the tickets and then jack up the prices did that, and so a bunch of kids couldn't go. And so he asked me a personal favor and said, "Will you come and play?" This party for my nieces and everything. And Is he the? Uh, he was the proprietor. Okay. Yeah, the owner. He asked if I would come and sing for these kids, and they ate me alive. They hated it because they're like, "You're not as good as Hannah Montana." <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: like terrible.
0: Was that? But at that was my
2: first gig there. Oh, it got hey. so much better after that. You gotta.
0: You can only go up from there, pretty much.
2: Yeah, those little girls were very mean.
0: What was the best gig you've ever played compared to that? Like, in <laughs> well, the, like, that wasn't even. The, I mean. Mean,
2: that was just kind of ironic and funny. And Now that you've silly. toured the
0: world and stuff, like what, what stands um, out to you as just a moment?
2: Man, things have been uh, – there have been so many moments, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i had a lot of goals, you know, and, and it's been nice to to kind of hit we, – we hit some really big ones this year. I've always wanted to play in Australia, so we got to go to Byron Bay this year. Um, Telluride was yeah. always a goal, and getting to play that stage, it's beautiful. You're in the mountains.
0: Like the Telluride – Bluegrass festival uh, or blues and brews. Blues and um, brews. That place, yeah. Telluride's amazing. Eh?
2: Yeah, and the fans are just so warm and sincere and really and that, there for the music.
0: Um, gondola going up the mountain. You like, you know, we're talking about that. You did you ride up the mountain yeah. and back? I mean, you're looking down at the mountain. It's like a little Swiss town off of a postcard or something. Like it's, it's so yeah, crazy how high you get above it.
2: Well, that was definitely one for. The bucket list, and then we did Jazz Fest this year on the Accurate Stage, and that was huge and great. But you know, getting to play in Europe is always like you know, you kind of have to assess your surroundings and go, Okay, things are going all right. You know, I'm I feel like I'm making the right moves, and and uh, I mean, really, anytime you get to go somewhere far away and take your art and perform it in front of all new faces, I mm. mean, that's, it's an experience, you know, it's, it's a great thing, very fortunate. But was there
0: any particular moment that you just picture, like, one stage in particular, one show, where the sun was setting, and the tone, and you just your feet didn't even <laughs> touch the ground, or is that how it is every night for you?
2: You know, that happens a lot. <laughs> I hate to be, I hate that's to be braggy, but it does, it happens a lot, you know, I mean, that's, that's the reason why we do this, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not a, um, it's a great job, you know, to have, but y- you know, the travel can be crazy. It can be exhausting. But that moment that you get to have right. on the stage with, with the people that came to the show and, I mean, you're making music and it's this really great connecting thing, you to the audience. And um, that's happened a bunch of times. I mean, it, it's happened on big stages and it's happened on small stages and clubs and like, you know, just when yeah. the vibe is perfect, that's, yeah. It's how all, you, it all feels like a win.
0: How would you, know? you describe that kind of a night?
2: Every night? <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean?
0: Like, what's the feeling that makes it good?
2: Um, I think it's this, It's just like um, a cyclical thing. You know, you're putting something out, and then the audience gives it back. Yeah. And then it just keeps amping up. I mean, it's just it's joyful. I think that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. It's just joyful. It's the reason why I play music. The first time I ever stepped on a stage, I was a shy 16, 17-year-old kid. You know, I couldn't public speak, let alone perform a song and play an instrument in front of somebody i was just really nervous and shy but that first time in front of an audience it's like terrifying but exhilarating at the same time you still get that a little bit i mean i, I do yeah. i oh, get yeah, it always. yeah
0: it's fuel a little bit of adrenaline. yeah someone yeah someone was asking me i mean people always ask you i'm sure and um, they've asked me like do you get nervous before you play and and i was telling you know we do it so much 75 shows a year or something like yeah ah. and then i realized the other night is hey i am a little nervous and it's good like yeah you that little that little just better for that that adrenaline kind of coursing in your veins.
2: The two minutes before the show yeah. are like, I hate that. I hate that right before you walk on stage and you got like five minutes to kill, but you have nothing yeah. to do but just, all right, I'm just going to wait here <laughs> to go on stage. It's like you get all this like, you know, you're, you're amped up, you know, and you're ready to like throw it out there to the audience, but it's just not the right time yet. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of a crazy feeling. I mean, but do
0: you ever get reverse adrenaline like 45 minutes or an hour where you kind of get the yawns or something some I've talked to other reporters. something they,
2: they get start, tired before the show get
0: tired but it's like the, to me it's almost like a tsunami you know how the tsunami pulls way yeah, back yeah, yeah. out and there's no waves at all and before it comes I've in. seen people do that
2: <laughs> I mean I I've kind yeah. of seen I've seen a lot of musicians kind of prep for the show and and everybody sort of has a yeah. different routine and like you know ritual that they go through I have some, seen some people get tired and then go out yeah. there and just slam it you know which is kind of Kind of a weird thing, because if I took a nap, I'd be done. I can't do that.
0: Now, was your f- first real gig going to Germany for that, or what was that? Tell us about the your girls trip. with how, guitars? You were like 16, or how no, old were you?
2: No, no, I was like 20. <laughs>
0: oh, you were 20, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
2: You know, I started playing guitar, yeah. uh, 15, probably put a band together around 18, 19. Started putting gigs together and shows around my, you know, where I grew up, Kansas City, and... Touring regionally, just, you know, getting out to as many places yeah. as possible. I met a lot of people. I met a lot of other musicians, made a lot of friends, peers. One guy I met named Mike Zito introduced me to a German record label called Roof Records, and yeah. they were looking for a third person to be a part of a blues caravan. So I made that connection. I ended up going over to Germany to record with these girls. We made an album, put it out, started touring for about a year, year and a half. Um, in that time, I recorded a solo album and started you know pushing my solo career and you know the rest is just kind of kind of history
0: was there a riff example you can give us from the (laughs) first first record just (laughs) just a little something
2: really well you know what the let me see if i can remember is that that's bitch from the rolling Rolling stones yeah yeah we recorded bitch from the rolling stones yeah you got it Yeah. yeah yeah
0: I didn't. It's so funny. I'm. I'm totally busted as being a Beatles guy because I didn't realize that was the name of that song. Of course, I know the song. Yeah. But what a great it's song. on the
2: Sticky Fingers album. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of my favorites. Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: And of course, you have this amazing new album, which we'll get to. Oh. But um, was your first album live bait? And like. Oh was,
2: God. Yeah. That. that great that, great I mean, name for I'd, a live album. <laughs> I was being silly and playing on the, you know, when you're 18 years old, you're like, I'm gonna make this a joke. <laughs> this album's gonna be a silly title and a joke um honestly i that was a live show that i recorded at a jam and i just put it out because it you know when you're starting it's you need to just start building the business and having something to motivate and sell and you know give out to club owners and give out to festivals and radio stations you need something
0: yeah you need something
2: with your name on it and and that's what that was
0: well, you seem like someone who likes jokes and, and uh, gets <laughs> such humor, like, have you done any uh, crazy pranks on the road or anything? What, what oh, do, what you, do you get into? Know. What do You, you yes. don't want to know. Yes, tell, tell us one. Honestly,
2: when. it's Otherwise, just Otherwise, so I'm not...
0: Have Ruben tell us one. <laughs> what does she do on the... What?
2: I don't do anything to anybody on the road anymore. I've, I've mellowed she, out. What did... I did almost burn down a knuckleheads but that was that wasn't a prank that was just fireworks gone wrong.
0: Where were you lighting the fireworks? <laughs> in the street. And it landed on the roof or something?
2: Yeah, they were mortar shells. You're supposed to put them in a pipe or she two. No, I don't. I'm She gives terrible advice to bands. No, I don't. Break sh- up
0: she gives he says I give to terrible, to
2: terrible <laughs> advice to bands and then they break up immediately and I I'm, No, that's uh, not true either.
0: Note to self, don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. I honestly um Pranks on the road. You'd have to ask the band. Right, I'm right. actually a lot nicer than I used to be. I used to be a clown.
0: What do you mean by that?
2: Well, just I used to be a silly kid and a clown, and I was just always trying to clown on people. I got a really strict manager. He tries to keep me flying right.
0: I'm not sure what you mean by how your manager has to keep you from <laughs> clowning on people. What do you, what, what do you mean I by can't, that?
2: Because I got to keep the band together. If I keep clowning on them, they're all going to quit.
0: You mean like on, on the mic, on stage? <laughs> no, <This> is... <laughs> no, no,
2: no. You know, we did do that back in the Girls in Guitars days. We used to, um, with Dennis Palatin, one day we put a banana peel between his hi-hats. And so the first song, we're doing <laughs> "Bitch," and he's hitting it as hard as he can, but he can't get any kind of like sound to resonate out of the hi-hats. He's like, oh my God, what, oh my, he's from France. That's my French
1: uh, right, terrible right. accent uh, there. Gotcha.
2: Um, but he was getting completely upset, you know. That's really harmless. But that kind of started a prank war that didn't end really great. Prank wars never do. Someone always crosses a line and has to end the prank war.
0: And then, what was the worst thing that happened?
2: Oh my God! I signed him up for a dating site. I shouldn't have. (laughs) It was really. He got really upset with me.
0: Because you gave out his number and stuff, or
2: I did some mean things.
0: (laughs) Wow. But that was a long time ago. I don't do that kind of stuff
2: no more. I saw. I saw what happened when I did it. I saw what happened and realized I'd gone too far.
0: You're, what are you, 29 now? or
2: Something like that.
0: Yeah, L.A., <laughs> everybody's 29. Yeah, it's here. a cute it's age. I like that. It's like the sci-fi movie, Close Logan's enough. Run. Nobody goes beyond 30 now. Well, I love your willingness to just rock out and sing anything at any time. Where did you, you know, how did you develop your singing? It just completely matches up with your guitar playing. Like It's not like you're a great guitar player, but just like kind of like mailing it in as a singer. <laughs> you well, I started playing
2: guitar and singing at the exact same time. I think, you yeah. know, people often ask, like, what's what do you consider yourself more of a singer or a guitar player? And really, I mean, I, I started singing to accompany the guitar and I started playing guitar to accompany the singing. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they they went hand in hand and I, I felt like learning the drums first really helped, you know, kind of instill rhythm yeah. and, and it kind of made things flow a little easier on that forefront. But singing is, a, you know, singing is a weird trip because, I mean, I, I've gone and taken lessons with people. its It's really like... You can't go and watch somebody sing and go, oh, that's what they're doing. You know, it's all internal. And, you know, yeah. if if you're not exactly sure, something. you know, there's there's so many things that go into it. I mean, I'm finding out new stuff about my voice all the time. Your voice changes as you age. Uh, you find new little tricks you didn't even know you could do. It's kind of crazy.
0: Who's your favorite singer? My favorite singer? Besides Hannah Montana. Shh.
2: <laughs> She's Miami. great. She's badass. Um, it's tough, because I really... I mean I I really love like Ray Charles. There's nice. just uh, yeah. the the how emotive his voice is. I, I love yeah. soul in R&B. When I when I think about singers and great singers yeah. it's it's all soul to me. Al Green, yeah. you know. Well, there's personality, you know. That's a
0: good segue. Where did you record your new record?
2: Oh, it's funny. Royal Studios in Memphis. That's yeah. the one that Al Green recorded yeah. all of his hits in. Every song, really.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. Yep. Same same board? What's it what's it like when yeah, you walk in? Yeah, it's there?
2: vintage. You walk in, you step into a time yeah. machine. It's great. I, I love Royal Studios. It's um there's so much vibe in the room. And beyond that, they got the, the Coke box that you know Al Green steps on when he starts out. What's it? Oh, okay. Oh,
1: okay. Here I, I am, mean,
2: come and take me. Uh and Peebles. I'm I can't stand a ring. Re- yep. Exactly. Okay. They got that. They got that uh, Coke box in the room, (laughs) the thing he stomps on. (laughs) And then they got the Ann Peebles drum machine from I Can't Stand the Rain. I mean, there's just history in there. There's just artifacts, and you can't help but be inspired. I love Memphis. I really do. I really do.
0: And you got this new Grammy-winning producer.
2: Scott Billington. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I feel like time I've ever worked with a great producer, I learned something from that session or that album. What do you walk away from as far as recording guitars or anything that he did that just like was new to you or any way that you were coached or anything he brought out of you that you previously hadn't experienced? Or?
2: You know, um, every experience recording is completely different. You know, and I've always felt like I've grown leaps and bounds in the studio every time I've stepped into one. Just, you know, you're challenged with this new music and you know, different players, different producers. And, and producers all kind of have their own specific style, you know. Yeah. Scott, his, the, his mantra, I felt, was he was always trying to get the best out of the artist who the artist is. He's not trying to change it too much. He he really is just trying to get the best out of you. Scott really f- facilitated the opportunity for me to stretch out and, like, I, you know, I wanted to add textures as a real – you know, I wanted to keep the guitar really in the forefront on the album, but in a more subtle way, less like, I need a guitar solo, so let's build a song around this guitar solo. It's like I really wanted different dramatic textures to kind of yeah. give these songs, like, different personalities, and, and he really allowed me the opportunity to go in and just, you know, we played with amps and pedals and different guitars, and just it was really, um, yeah. I, I had time, and, you know. Nice. And, and he also was discerning, you know. he. He knew when to cut me off and when to <laughs> say, all right, let's move forward, you know, but gave me that opportunity to, to stretch out, and I really appreciate that, you know?
0: You put on some cool back, backwards guitars, like on love letters and stuff, like kind of little hooks like that, is that?
2: Well, those aren't actually backwards, those are um volume volume swells, yeah, and like delay, I kind of mess with the delay and the volume swell, and yeah, exactly, textures like that, messing with delay pedals or reverb or just, you know, finding, finding new ways to get those sounds out of the amp.
1: You and I, we can rule this world together.
2: Keep waking up in the bed I, made. I mean, I've had people come up and be like, what's that violin on this song? It's like, it's not a violin, it's a guitar. You know, or what's what's this, what's that? You know, stuff that maybe doesn't necessarily sound like a guitar. I don't know. I'm, I'm into that. I like I like trying to come up with unique textures.
0: Well, you got like a whammy pedal or something at the on the first song, Bulletproof. Oh,
2: Bulletproof? No, it's a super shifter. <laughs> it's a super shifter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's my dive bomb. And, oh, um, so is
0: that a boss pedal? Yeah. I
2: figured. Yeah, I know there's so many things you can do on it. I'm always trying out different pedals and tricks yeah. and stuff um I mean you never know what you're gonna find and yeah. what you can apply when I go into the studio I bring everything with me everything I have pretty much everything I own it's like I just kind of bring it and it's it's a little crazy because I don't need that much but you never know so so
0: what are we talking about like a small fiat car or a pickup yeah, truck or a box truck
2: a box truck full of pedals and guitars <laughs> and amps and we just fill the place up. Yeah.
0: So, what is your main rig that you're touring with right now? Well, how has your rig evolved, and where where are you at today here?
2: I have. Um, I've been using Category Five amps for years. Just yeah. my my favorite. Um, it's a really great boutique tube amp.
0: Are they made in Kansas? No,
2: they're made in Dallas now. Oh, okay. Um, the guy makes amps for all kinds of people: Brad Paisley, Joe Bonamassa, Anders Osmond, Tad Benoit, You know, a lot of a lot of blues players. But he he's stretched out to country realm as well great amps i love them and all the different configurations right now i'm using a 412 cabinet with like a yeah. 90 watt head and it's it screams 90
0: watt to 412. <laughs> yeah but i have
2: like a 90 watt head i got a, I got a 50 watt head i kind of like mix it up do you crank um, those
0: all the way up or no, no like no, what no. about tonight like, i mean
2: i don't know i haven't been to the room yet i'll kind of have oh to Oh yeah, Trumador,
0: you know it's got a it's one of those stages that's just high enough but it's not like super high it's like you know knee high or
2: Honestly, what I love about that amp is I can kind of put it to the same setting. You know, I rarely have yeah. to go back there and mess with it. I'm usually like happy with it in almost every situation—festival stage, small club. It's really directional, so you know I can I can manipulate the sound man's brains by <laughs> turning my cabinet. He's like, "No, it's not loud anymore." I'm like, "I know. It's still loud for me, but not loud for I you." I do
0: that all the time. Like, yeah. If I if I can, I will point the amps a little away, even if the soundboard is like a hundred feet away. Just because well, then directional... there's a better, better chance you'll be in the mains. If you're blasting out the sound desk. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, and honestly, it, you know how it is. It sounds different in every part yeah. of the room, but those amps can be so directional. It's just like yeah. a laser beam focused straight at the soundboard. Yeah, yeah. you ain't going in the mains. Um,
0: Do you ever have mercy on people if it's like right in front of their faces and like? Yeah i mean Block i have mercy
2: i have mercy on turn it
0: backwards or something or honestly
2: that amp in particular i you know sometimes i i use fenders if we're flying and i love fender amps but yeah i'll have more mercy with the yeah. fender because they tend to be a little bit brighter and i i, I don't like to use the word brittle but it's just like right. an icier tone and that right. that to me is just the stuff that's like oh that'll kill <laughs> the front row you know this the cat five for me the way i got it set up it's like really a warm thing so yeah it might be loud yeah. but i don't feel like it's Maybe I'm going deaf. I might have already messed up my no. hearing really bad, so.
0: No, you're doing. Yeah. You got a long way to go.
2: Yeah, thanks.
0: Trust me, because uh, somehow I'm holding on. I, I mean, I should be wearing earplugs all these years, but <laughs> if you can. I know. I need to get them.
2: We on the drive here, we stopped in Joshua Tree, and I went up on this hill, and it was so quiet, and I was like, I could really feel my tinnitus. <laughs> you know, oh, sometimes yeah. when you're in complete silence, and you just hear that light.
0: <sighs> oh yeah. You're like, but oh, even, there it is. Even there, there was a lot of noise. Yeah. Like, I w- if you ever get your hearing tested, they put you in a little closet where there is no sound. And the ins- like there's n- the insulation is so there's no reflection. Oh, that freaked and, me out. Yeah. I think last time I did that, I heard, like, two different notes. Like,
2: He-he.
0: Yep. Like, it's Yep. It's terrible. It's, you're getting this kind of a...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no. I exaggerate because those two tones... Don't really bother me. I know some people really bothered by a little bit of ringing in their ears, yeah. but I feel very lucky. That.
2: I just fill my life up with a lot more noise, like a noisier thing, and then I don't even think about the tinnitus anymore. <laughs> just can ignore it. Yeah. Turn up the amp a little bit louder. No, no. Honestly, it's a serious thing. You gotta, you gotta be looking out for it, but. I think everybody has that. You know, you play on a on a soundstage every night with s- drums and cymbals yeah. and bass rigs. You're gonna, I mean, your rings, your ears are gonna ring a little bit at some point.
0: Yeah. Well, I love your title of your new record, "Kill or Be Kind." Of course. Thank you. Because when you first read it, you think it's gonna be "Kill or Be Killed." I don't know if anyone saw the Chuck Norris movie when I was a kid, "Kill or Be Killed." I mean, pretty stupid by by. <laughs> I loved it then. Yeah. But I was. Eight years old. It didn't hold <laughs> up. It doesn't hold up. Killer, be kind. You have a lot of great lines in your songs. Some I know you, you, you co-write some songs too. But maybe we could play a little bit of the title track. Killer, yeah. be kind.
1: Absolutely.
0: I even wrote out a little chart.
2: Oh, you did. In case
0: you need some accompaniment.
2: In case I forget. <laughs>
1: goody good good girl
0: That was so cool. Thank you. What was your obsession with performing war pigs live so much? My
2: obsession was that the crowd wouldn't let me stop playing it. That's an obsession. Uh, no, I yeah. mean, I okay. I started it because we were playing all these blues festivals, and we knew it would either really go over great or it might be too too far. And, and I don't know. We had people that were like, "Oh, this is great," and then some people were like, "Oh, that's not blues." And I'm like, "Well, Sabbath wanted to be a blues band, and and it was, you know, it was fun. Yeah. It was rock and roll. It's like people kind of they're surprised when you pull that song out. I don't know. Yeah. In general, we play it from top to bottom, so the the full the yeah, full uh, live version. So
0: I used to play that song. It's definitely a memory test. Like, you know, oh yeah, there's so, so many. many parts. There's, there's so many a, parts. Yeah. Can we yeah. play us a little bit of it. Yeah. Or maybe sing a little bit of it. Okay. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Let's
2: see. I'm going to try and get this timing right. Generals gathered in their masses
1: Just like witches at black masses Evil minds apply destruction Sorcerers of deconstruction. In the fields of bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind, poisoning their brainwashed minds all again.
2: can't forget that part
0: oh yeah i I love what you say about them being a blues band because they really were until um
2: i know they really that was like that you know the history of that band they were really
0: going for that added the horror movie lyrics but yes um
2: well no just the guitar solos too i mean it all kind of lives in that realm and so you know i would like expand upon it and you know i do the structured parts and then i throw like some blues licks in there and some solos you know like my own personality um and it turned into about a 10 minute long epic song that people yeah. were either like yeah we love this or what what are you doing <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, i don't know for the yeah, most part no, it worked out great we we yeah. met a lot of new fans that way people find that video online and just be like i mean we, they've yeah. been chanting war pigs at us every night for like six years
0: so. yeah yeah so i love of course your earlier song gone for good
2: oh my god wow thank you
0: that thing jams as they thank say you. when you go to tennessee y'all jam <laughs> Y'all in the band?
2: Y'all jam. You know, no one has ever said that's me in Tennessee. <laughs> I hope they do though.
0: Oh, I, I love Tennessee so much. I do too. Been there man. many times—Knoxville, Nashville. Hell yes. Hung out there. Well, tell me, <laughs> tell me about the um, "Gone for Good." How did you produce um, that? I mean,
2: that song in particular—it's kind of funny. It was one of the first songs that I ever wrote and fleshed out live before I took it to the studio. So when I took it to the studio kind of had, like, all kinds of preconceived notions of, and it's got to go just like this. So we tried, we recorded on Wild Heart, and I was like, eh, it didn't quite make the cut. So when I took it into the Bell of the West session, it was like, I got to really reimagine this song. I got to, like, let go of the trio version that I'd written and just kind of rewrite it. And really, it was awesome. Like, we, we did this in North Mississippi. So it was, like, me and Luther, Luther Dickinson produced it, um, Jimbo Mathis and Lightning Malcolm and Lily May and, Charde Thomas was there and you know that's just I'm just like name dropping like crazy oh, but no but the session was just so vibey and cool and it took on a whole new personality and I just I love it Yeah, well yeah. it's got
0: a beautiful tempo and groove to it. it Thank really cruises. You. <laughs> slide, right?
1: Yeah,
2: I do. I do. I do more than I actually realized because it, it's one of those things that just sort of crept into the show. Over the years, I always like kind of thought I was, I was like, hey, I'm not like slide is a, is a weird, tricky thing. You know, it takes a long time to just realize you got to slow down and finesse it. You know, I, I, I struggled on slide for years and years and years. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. I still struggle with slide and singing because I didn't start those things when I started playing guitar when yeah. I was 10. So are there, they're both playing catch up
2: yep exactly but it is you know people always seem to react to the slide um it's a fan favorite so i do it (laughs) and i actually have a lot of fun doing it it's it adds just a completely different texture to the show you know
0: Oh, wait, wait. Now, what's your main guitar for, if you have one? I know you said you got a baritone now, but when you, when, besides this beautiful new Firebird that you just got, um, your, what are your My libraries? main axe
2: is probably my Gibson SG. The white one? Mm-hmm. That's the one I yeah. probably play the most. We, uh, I, I like a my Fender Jaguar. Was,
0: I was gonna say, is that a Sister Rosetta Tharp nod? No,
2: you know, honestly, <laughs> um, Chills and Fever came out, and I was like, I'd been playing my signature model Delaney's for a few years. And, um, you know, I, I really wanted to get into this different aesthetic retro. And I, so I was like, I just need some solid colored paint jobs. And I'd always wanted an SG because I was a fan of Angus Young when I was a kid. And I was like, if Derek Trucks can make this sing like that, I, you know, it, it, it can, I can make it work. I can make it work. So I got a, you know, an SG. It was just like a childhood gimme, you know, and, and I love it. It's like perfect guitar. It's lightweight. Yeah. It screams. Yeah, yeah,
0: I love those things too. I love both those guitar players you just mentioned as well. So I've seen you playing a little cigar box guitar too.
2: Yeah, Um, that's a fan favorite as well. Um, The Cigar Box World Uh, Stogie Box Blues is the company that made that one, and it was the first one that I ever purchased, and it's my favorite. And it sounds great, and I like to play it.
0: You seem very energetic. Like I interview a lot of guitar players. This is episode ninety-nine of this oh, podcast, wow, really? and I probably interviewed four hundred players for print articles before that over the last 19, 20 years. Oh wow! But you seem like one of the more energetic people I've met. What 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 drives <laughs> you? Are you are you caffeinated or are you always totally hyper? Totally
2: caffeinated. Yes. Well, I mean, it's like I've got a couple hours before the show, so I'm starting to get kind of amped. Yeah. Um,
0: but I mean, also like just I've seen. You know, videos of you. You're very prolific. You've got a bunch of albums out. Wow,
2: thanks. You know, I just, I'm really a goal-oriented, hungry person, I th- I think. And um, so it's always, I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. We work, we work. You work know? ethic. It's a work <laughs> ethic thing. And, and I, I just, I don't feel like I have time to relax. So, you know, right. you just keep pushing the tours and, and the shows and the music. Because cause I have it in me, you know. It's like I, I want to get it out. And, and put it out. Um and I it feels good, you know. I I I feel my best when I'm I mean right now we just put a record out. It feels awesome. We got a whole new show to play. It's great. Yeah.
0: Got a new label, Rounder yeah. Records.
2: Yeah, and I'm feeling their energy. It it's inspiring to work with people like that. You know? Yeah. Like, you met my manager. He's the hardest working person I know. Yeah. My band works really hard. And he you also know?
0: manages like Tabeno yeah. and a couple Allman of Almond Betts band. Almond Betts band Yes.
2: They're doing yeah. really, really great things. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's got a lot of energy, too. So my, my whole team does, you know, and it's inspiring to work with people like that because, you know, you just throw it around back and forth.
0: Tell us about your band. Is it still a trio for the most part?
2: No, it's a six-piece. What? Yeah, I got horns and keys. Because and I
0: hear horns in the last couple records yeah. and stuff. But, yes. Oh, cool. So you're touring with the whole band.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations. It's, a big, it's a big operation, but it sounds really cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've been touring with the six-piece since the Chills and Fever record. Yeah, I just, cool. I felt like it was time to, you know, we'd been doing the trio for God, like seven years and, and that's great. And I think people really like it, but it just, for me as an artist, I wanted to change and do something a little bit broader. Yeah. And I, I still play just as much guitar in the show, but I can, I can pay more attention to my singing. I feel like just playing yeah. with a six piece made me get better as a singer because I had more opportunities yeah. to just kind of like, okay, focus on this. It's like amazing how much I feel like my voice has changed just since I got that band, and I, I can go back to a trio and you know learn something new there too. It's it's funny how that works.
0: Well, it's cool. I mean, like Chills and Fever, like there's not even a ton of guitar in that except for maybe the solo, the the song. Well, and it's so it's like you can lean into the textures of the horns yeah. and the groove that behind you. Man. Yeah,
2: there was um you know there's there's a lot of like cool rhythm guitar. I mean the solos live where the solos yeah. live, you know the riff oriented songs like Crow Jane you know and then like you can't go like the guitar is like right out bold in the front the entire time and then yeah for most for a lot of the record it's kind of to the solos but i feel like killer be kind is kind of similar in that way too you know i didn't want to i didn't want to make a song as a vehicle for a solo i wanted to you know let the guitar support the song and tell the story as best yeah you couldn't i kind of started doing that more with chills and fever
0: did you um, want to yeah. play a sample of one of your new records let me
2: let me give you this All right, this is one from the new record.
1: Simple bomb I thought was true, a naive heart to misconstrue. Why did I get so close to you? What did I do? Thought that you would find your way hollow words that you betray A bitter end, a sad cliché I can't stay so Farewell, my fair weather Farewell, my old forever Goodbye to a passing wind The winds of change, it blew you in so my fair weather all the time we air together care didn't mean much to you someday somehow you'll see the truth see people come and people go A punchline that comes on slow From a gentle break to a painful blow I did not know That you would be the one to take And break my heart so easily And give to me this black bouquet I can't stay so Farewell, my family forever goodbye to a passing wind. the winds are change and blew you in so farewell my bad weather well, all the time we had together didn't mean much to you someday somehow you'll see the truth
0: Awesome. you just crush it.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to clap, but I'm holding the phone filming. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. that was Thank you. that was so beautiful. Thanks for doing that. Before I let you go rock the house, I wish I could go tonight, but I was just going to ask you you seem you strike me as one of these people who's just nowhere are you more comfortable than when you're on stage in, with the mic in front of you?
2: Yeah, I mean yeah I, I think I get nervous like everybody else does. I think that's just energy you know and um, adrenaline.
0: But you come alive.
2: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to use it. You got to yeah. use it, or it'll just freak you out. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes it takes me a while to get my footing. How um, tall are you, too? <laughs> five seven ish. Oh, you About. just got some tall shoes on. When oh, it... I always do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, well, that's that's really good. You have a commander, so it's really cool. Wow.
2: heels are awesome. Yeah, try, <laughs> I, I gonna... learned that when I was young. It's like, you know, you wanna you wanna be a badass babe. Just throw on some heels. I'm gonna kill try, your feet, I'm but yeah, try that. it. Throw them yeah. on. People right. are always wondering, they're like, how do you operate the pedals? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it actually got easier because it's like little pinpoints hitting little pinpoints.
0: Well, will you sing us out for like just to the...
2: Yeah. Yeah. I tuned my guitar down because um, I thought you wanted to hear that one song. Do you want me to play that? Uh, yeah. Gone for Good.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, awesome. That's I, I thought you needed out, a, right? I thought you needed a slide for that. Okay, cool. I yeah.
2: I kind of do, but...
0: No, that's killer. Yeah. If you want to play some Gone for Good. Got a little open G tuning. Yeah. Sweet.
2: Open tunings are awesome. <laughs> Well, you thanks. ever want to feel inspired as a songwriter, like and you're feeling stuck tune your guitar or something to something weird?
0: I always do that. Well, and thank you'll you be for
2: completely inspired.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this today, Samantha. Thank you. Keep it alive till you're 95. You know what I'm saying?
2: That's what you're saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hey. I feel Yeah. i classed down to. You've got such a.